0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's November the 16th, 2022. I'm back in San Francisco, having spent the weekend in Sonoma at the excellent Techonomy Conference. And of course, uh, the news is dominated by you-know-who, he's back. The man who describes himself as a winner is relaunching his attempt to maintain what he describes as his winning record, although many are more skeptical. Trump is back, he announced last night that um, he was running once again for president in 2024, but some people don't believe he is a winner. In fact, he is the new, not winner, but loser, Brett Stevens, who's been on the show, a conservative, writing in the New York Times, suggests that he is indeed finally finished. Uh, It's been said before, Uh, but Stephen says the ex-president increasingly feels like the jealous, paunchy spouse. Uh, And the governor, that's DeSantis, like the attractive and successful neighbor. In other words, Trump is a loser. Uh, And Ed Luce, who's also been on the show, makes a joke of it uh, in terms of Trump being the Democrats ideal. He writes with Trump, Democrats would win so much. People would get tired of winning. We are talking winning today in a different kind of sense. I'm guessing that my guest, um, Daphne Jones, is not a great fan of uh, of Donald Trump, nor am I. I don't want to make this a conversation about Trump himself, but it is a conversation about winning uh Daphne has a new book out it just came out yesterday win when you say when sorry win when they say you won't break through barriers and keep leveling up your success might be a book that Donald Trump should read Daphne is joining us from Syracuse New York Daphne congratulations on the new book
1: thank you so much Andrew
0: and hello to you how are you I'm very good. I'm a winner, Daphne. Well, I'm a winner. We are to you, so stepping back a little bit from this book, you you describe yourself as a transformational coach. You've had a successful career um, as a corporate leader. What is it about winning that is so central, perhaps, to the American experience? Why do we all want to be winners, Daphne?
1: Yeah, there are so many reasons that people I think love to be winners. Um, In some cases, they might've been told that they were losers. Um, And so they might want vindication. Some people want to, they, they see that winning is associated with having a better lifestyle. And so they may want to do that. There may be a sense of wanting to belong to the quote unquote winner's circle. There might be a need to show our children and, and others uh, as a role model to say, well, you may fall down, but you don't want to stay down. And, and when you get back up, that's when you win. So there's a lot of different reasons why, but we want to know that there's a positive end to the story and that all of the, the losing that it might've been going on is not really losing, it's really lessons for learning. And so when you win, that means that you've learned some lessons. And so who doesn't want to learn lessons?
0: Well, easier said than done. We all say we want to, but it's very hard. As I said, I, I'm guessing you're no great fan of, of Donald Trump, but there does seem to be a a peculiarly American narrative in in his story. This idea yeah. of everyone continually writing him off and him always coming back and, and winning. Do you think there is, whether, whether or not we like Trump or not, he's peculiarly American. Is that fair? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I- It is American. And I I think I pick up on another point that you may also be inferring is that a lot of places uh, look at doing things together, the collective. When the collective wins, then that's great. In America, it's about the, the, the cowboy. It's about the person who goes after something and their independence and they're fiercely competitive it's about me right and uh, and that in in a way has been an american situation and now as we look at globalization and maybe the decline or the desired decline of globalization. Now it's into nationalism, right? It's no longer just about outsourcing, it's about friend sourcing. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna outsource with my friends. It's again thinking a little bit more narrowly. Donald Trump has been very successful because he makes people feel that he cares about them and people want to be included. They want to have a sense of belonging. And I think he he allows and makes people feel. I belong with that guy because he cares about me. And it's about me.
0: Your book is also in a way about me. Um, Win when they say you won't. Achieve the success you deserve. Do we all deserve success, Daphne? I mean, that's a nice selling point and everyone will read that and think, yeah, I deserve success. But some of us may be lazy. Some of us may not be very smart. Some of us may be unlucky. Do we all
1: deserve success, winning? I think the winning is in the eye of the beholder, is in you create your own narrative. So whatever you define winning as being Andrew, that's what you deserve. Um, you, you should get what you want. You should become who it is that you want to become. Many people are just doing things every day. And I always used to tell my son, do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. And, and if people want to be something, they deserve it because that is part of the American dream is to uh, is to go after that. And it's also a, a biblical perspective. You know, you ask what you want and it will come to you. It will be provided for you. And so how old your son? My son is now thirty
0: five. Okay, So he's a bit older, but at least here in California, there's been a habit which some people are. Somewhat ambivalent about about rewarding all kids on the sports fields. Doesn't matter how oh, well, or, yeah. well or, or badly they play, they all get a, a winner's medal. Is that right?
1: That is true. Um,
0: but that's something that I don't, I don't that, agree that with. That. Would support um, as a, a kind of a, a writer and a theorist and a coach of winning.
1: Yeah. I would not say that everybody gets the, the same medal. You get applauded because you participate. But there is, a, there is somebody who, who played better than everybody else. There is an MVP on that team. There is the winning team, and there's a team that, that learned a lesson and, uh, and, and lost in that game. So not everybody gets the same kind of recognition. Everybody gets applause. Everybody was on the field. But not everybody performed the same way. So you get a different medal based right, on the you level. You present
0: yourself as a, a business digital transformationalist. It's an interesting word. Is that the core of this book? Are you providing people with um, a menu, if you like, of, of transformation, of allowing them to change themselves, to turn themselves into winners?
1: I'm allowing them and giving them um, instruction. I'm empowering them. I'm exciting them and igniting them is the goal so that they can define who they want to be And then become that um if they want to learn how to swim and they can't today they read my book and follow the precepts in there starting with the mindset using my tool sets they will have a skill set that will if they do what they should they'll learn how to swim if they want to become a senior vice president and not a vice president follow the precepts you will transform into that my basis is looking at things like as if we are a product and a product transforms from version one our ios is now at version 16 i think ios wasn't always at 16 andrew it was at it was at one and then it became two and three so what version can we be how can we be our better and then our best selves and what is the this the way to systematically do that and it's by using some of the same principles and tools that businesses use who also wanna transform themselves in their markets, we can transform ourselves in our market. So it's about becoming better. It's becoming who it is that you want to be. And it may take three months, it may take three years, but if you don't ever leap, you'll never reach. It's
0: interesting that you compare us to software. We're like iOS and you, you can't go from one to 14 or 20 or however many iterations of iOS there is. But aren't we humans a bit more complicated than, than, than software? And we can't think of ourselves as continually going through this process of update.
1: I don't, we, we are not software. Um, whether, whether we look at a car, whether we look at a bottle of soda, you know, people are always trying to improve the, the soda with new flavors or whatever. Um, the question is how can we improve ourselves and how can we use an example that allows you to use I, I used to write code so i used to write applications and um i don't think it's really different than when you're designing a house or you're designing you know a, 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 a town um you know you have to envision something in your mind and then you design a plan of how are you going to go after it and then after you design that plan you got to work the plan you know you plan to work then you work the plan and then something happens, something hopefully miraculous or mystical or wonderful happens with that. So there is a human element and the book does not uh, pretend to do that. This is a technology uh, uh, journey that you're on because a very large part of your journey is with your stakeholders. It's it's with your, it's with your role models, your coaches, your accountability buddies, your sponsors, your mentors, your investors, if you're doing a startup. And so the human component is very much richly in there. And, and there's the thought about having a blind spot. The Johari window is something that I kind of emphasize that there are things that people know that you don't know about you, and you need to get that from them. And again, Again, it's, it's not artificial intelligence, it's, it's you know augmenting your own intelligence. So yeah, people are not technology, but we can use a way and a methodology that a technology uses to get better ourselves with the human component included.
0: As I said, you are um, a transformationist, you've had quite a career. Uh, to what extent is Win When They Say You Won't a kind of veiled memoir of your own life? To what extent is your life a parable, if you like, for winning and of uh, particularly winning when they say you won't?
1: Yeah, I've seen myself and many people not know what to do, not kind of get caught up, Andrew, in the day to day uh, dog whistles of empowerment you know, you'll never be this, you'll never be that. I've even been separated from my team as a senior vice president because the I was supposed to get a certain size office and the person that was in charge had an office that size but didn't want to give it to me and said, well, if you want that office that, that you deserve as that, at that level, there's one on the other floor upstairs where my team wasn't. And so all throughout career, you, you get told that. So it's, it's not really thinly veiled. I am very clear that... It's about my story. Yeah, you use the
0: term dog whistle. I mean, for people listening, uh, for watching, it's obvious you're a Black woman, but for people listening, you are a Black woman. Um, When you use that phrase, are you referring to racism and the way in which Black women in particular... Um, uh, have to struggle perhaps a little bit harder. We've done a number of shows on that in, in order to win because of the objections of whites, particularly, well, not just white men, but white women too.
1: Sure, absolutely. That's what I'm referring to. Sometimes they won't come out and say it, it's and you use the word thinly veiled. It's thinly veiled and it's thinly veiled in a whistle that not everybody will really pick up on and hear, but except the person to which it's, it's being directed. So yeah, that's what I'm referring to. And it started when I was in, in, a, as a little girl, it started when I went in high school, it's been throughout my career, some overt examples and some not so overt examples. And your,
0: your, your, you have this did I, answer, did I answer your question about no, you did you did very well the, the four step edit methodology you have four steps for becoming a winner uh, for overcoming all these all all, all all these problems you have the envision design iterate and transform i mean people who want the full full explanation of course need to buy the book it's just out win when they say you won't but Very briefly, um, Daphne, do we have to do we have to begin with envision and end with Transform or can we sort of approach all of them?
1: Yeah, it's like a a train, you know, to go from the engine to the caboose. You've got to go through almost every every car on the train. And so, you you know, one can say that if you you already know where you're going, but that's usually where you begin. Um, You you sort of have to have a destination what does success look like for you? And whatever that looks like for you, that's your vision. Now, the question is, how long do you have to stay in those steps? It's really up to, to how complicated, how, how important, all kinds of things uh, this is. I remember, um, like people may not think of this, but when you're trying to get promoted, you have to realize that there's more than just your career at stake. I didn't realize it at first, at one point, Andrew, I ended up getting a divorce, I got downsized, all kinds of things happened because in my vision, my vision wasn't complete and didn't have complete context. And so you're in this envision stage and you think about there's your faith, your family, your finances, your your fitness, and then furthering your career is important. So when you're in vision, I share with you all kinds of things you got to consider as you define your win so yeah, you got to start with having a destination. You get in your car and start driving, You'll where will you end up? So envision is important. The The next thing, um, d- design is important to go through because you need to sort of have a plan. You're going to drive from here to California. Okay. So you know your vision, <clears throat> but how are you really going to get there? When do you need gas? What route are you going to take? Um, what might the, the weather be like? What might the roads be like? So your design kind of kind of shields you and guides you and allows you to focus as to how are you going to get to where you're trying to go. Um, the iterate phase is where you got to put that plan into action. So yeah, I guess you got to go through that too, because, you know, just having a plan and not doing it, you're just dreaming. And, you know, it might be a nightmare. It might be a pleasant dream, but you don't wake up having done anything. And so the, the iterate stage is where you test out your plan, see if it worked, and then you persevere, and in that section of the book, there's so many things that could stop us, office politics, um, people who are, who are dressed up as a, as a beautiful flower, but they're really a weed, uh, that are there to suck the life out of your, your passion and your purpose. And so you kind of have to go through the iterate, and then transform is where you actually sit on the other side on that podium, you've got that gold medal, you have got that new role, you've gotten halfway to your new role, but you're in a better place, you know more, you can do more, and that's why you transform. So I'd say the answer is, yeah, you gotta go through those.
0: You gotta go through those. You mentioned office politics. You had an interesting piece in Fast Company um, recently, Daphne, about uh, office politics still existing. Uh, and, and you write, this is exactly how to make them work for you. Any suggestions on office politics? Do we need to be more or less political? I mean, we we began talking about Trump. Uh, I guess he's deeply political. Is, Is office politics all about power? Do we need to understand power if we're going to win?
1: I think we need to unleash people to be able to be their best and do their best and without preconceived notions. And so much of Politics is preconceived notions, just as when I was a a high school girl, my counselor told me, Daphne, black girls like you don't go to college, don't even think about it. Uh, You should go to become a secretary. And that's because, um, and I didn't know that at that moment, and so what I'm sharing with you, I'm about to share with you is something that I kind of figured out years later, is that I didn't look like success. I I didn't look like a Rockefeller or Carnegie or Ford. Uh, right? And, and the system wasn't built by me and it wasn't built for me. Cause I don't look, I look more like people who might clean someone's house or might cook someone's food for dinner or what have you, but not like somebody who would own a hundred million dollar budget, for example. And so there are preconceived notions that we are brought up with as a, from a young child, we are fed seeds of misdirection, whether it's black girls don't, become um, hedge fund managers or women don't do science or, or math. Those preconceived notions tend to kind of sit with people and they learn them, whether it's against someone else um, or against ourselves. And so, yeah, it 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 is something to be aware of in terms of office politics, because you can get that bias or that paradigm that kind of blocks your, your view from being able to see the real beauty and power of the people that are in front of you. So when a man, that which has happened to me, and many women, you just, in a room of 50 women, 48 will probably raise their hand. How many women have ever had a man who they said something, the woman said something, and 10 minutes later, the man says something and he receives basically a standing ovation? And what does a woman do? what does that do? And she's looking at that guy who just took her idea. And, and in the in the boardroom and in the, the leadership room, the value that you add comes from your perspectives and your ideas. And so when someone takes that perspective and doesn't give you credit for it, hmm, there's a little bit of a power that could be lost, you know, because of the, how much value did Daphne add to this meeting today? You know, but I did, but John took it. What do you do when that happens? And that's sort of what the office politics is all about.
0: What about the role of community? Are we on our own here? You, your LinkedIn is very impressive. You write about the value of brand and of branding, of Twitter, of LinkedIn, and the rest of social media. Should we, when we want to win, should we be falling back on community or leaving community?
1: Should we be falling back? Say that one more time.
0: Should we rely on community or are we really on our own when it comes to winning? Should we be focused on branding ourselves on LinkedIn and Twitter and all these other platforms designed for individuals in a world where everyone wants to be a winner? Everyone wants attention. Everyone wants to stand out. Everyone wants the applause you talked about in that. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: It's a great question. I think um, winning, you know as the african proverb said if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far you got to go together and i always say that we are not here by ourselves and we're not only here for ourselves so my purpose is to teach wisdom to the world i want everyone to be you know at my age i want people to be ahead of me i want them to be 15 years ahead of me so that whenever I became an SVP, I would love to have my knowledge imbued into people so that they can be faster, better, stronger, earlier than I did. And so the sense of community, to me, it kind of reminds me of Harriet Tubman. She's hanging in my office, well, she's not hanging. Her, the picture of Harriet Tubman is hanging in my office. I hope
0: she's not hanging in your office.
1: Yeah, yeah. right? Um, and and in, in that picture, it's, it's her going forward, I assume that's north, she's going forward and in her hand is a lantern under her arm is a shotgun or a rifle or something. But, Andrew, the, the great part about this picture is on the right side of her, she's got these enslaved people, some have been injured, but she's got her arm extended. And that arm that's extended is the, the thing for me, not necessarily who's on the other end of the arm, but her arm is extended. And what she's doing is she's pushing forward into new territory, transforming her life and transforming, you know, into dangerous areas, into the woods or whatever, but she's pulling people along with her. And so the sense of community to me is what that's all about, that she got free. She found a way to be free. She found a way to win. And now she wants to help people behind her find a way to win. And the way you do that today is not just getting on the phone because how many phone calls do you have to make? How many mics do I have to hold? in front of a thousand people. But if you get on your your Twitter or your LinkedIn or your Instagram, you now find a way to help those people that need to be freed and need to learn how to win. So community is absolutely important. And and you even have that with shareholders. You know, there used to be this thing about shareholder primacy. Well, there still is. There very much is. But it's also now a stakeholder primacy. So now we're bringing the community of people who care about how a company is doing with their, their carbon emissions, or you care about how they're treating employees with you know ESG. And so there is a sense of community that cannot be denied. There are countries and companies who are, would rather go it alone, but I don't believe if you go it alone that you'll go very far.
0: Definitely. You mentioned earlier, you have a, a son in his 30s. Is there a generational divide here in terms of Winning, and the idea of winning and the role of the workplace. We've had waves of quiet quitting and noisy quitting during COVID. Lots of pieces in the media in newspapers about how Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z, they're different in terms of their attitude to work and success and competition. Do you think that's true in your experience as a coach, as someone who has been successful in the corporate workplace and has seen all these different generations?
1: Yeah, there you could say um, there's a gap in how, um, but I think it's the, the framework that I offer is it's a framework of how do you think no matter what success looks like for you, you can define your own narrative. Don't let somebody else define it for you. And I think today's people are defining their narrative. It used to be, you know, when you go to work, you don't quit. And uh, I stay with the same company for 30 years. Well, no, not anymore. It's, certainly some companies don't, don't hang around 30 years. But I think the millennials and the other generations are not defining success as we have defined it. That's okay. Um, but how they want to go and achieve success, they need to have a right mindset. They need to have a mindset of being open to possibilities, and going after things. You know, with an edit-like framework. So um, this whole quiet quitting business, I don't know where it all where it all leads, um, because it certainly creates a challenge with uh, engagement. If people aren't really, if they're doing just the bare minimum, um, that's that's really troublesome. But. So, so go find what, what you want to do, do. For them or
0: for us? I, I, I mean, some people might watch this, Daphne, or read your book and say, I don't want to be a winner. I'm just mm. opting out. We've had people on the show who written books about opting out, about quitting their work and going to live on a farm or traveling. How,
1: how would you respond to those people? I would say going to live on a farm, you probably have to, you're probably envisioning that. Um, I have a vision of being on a farm. Well, what are you going to do on the farm? Nothing the farm will not take care of itself. So design your plan. How are you going to take care of your farm? Are you going to have goats? You're going to have sheep. You're going to design your livestock uh, inventory and, and or the livestock portfolio. Who's going to be on that farm? Who's going to help you do things? Are you going to do it all by yourself? Or are you going to engage help? And then you're going to start working on the farm. So you know, when you look at edit, it's a framework for how do you live? How do you be? How do you become what you want to be? And and winning in that case is owning a farm. Everybody wants to do something. And if they don't, um, they will be like, I think I forgot what show that was, Wally, where they just sit around and I guess they just hit a button. Yeah, we certainly
0: don't want that. Everyone wants to be a winner, at least according to Daphne Jones, wonderful new book out just yesterday. Win when they say you won't. Maybe something that Donald Trump should pick up and read, although maybe some of us don't want him to be a winner. It'd be great if he was actually a loser. That's another question. Daphne, congratulations on the new book. Um, what else do you enjoy reading? Where do you get your entertainment or your wisdom or your fun?
1: <laughs> wow, that's a lot there. Wisdom and entertainment are not happening at the same place for me. Um, but the, the, from a, just a, how do you just get better, smarter, more aware of things? Um, there's something about imposters. And I believe that, that I suffer, I still suffer from imposter syndrome. And there's a book that's out called the imposter cure. And I'm reading it right now. It's by, uh, Jessamy or Jeremy, um, Hibbert or something like that. So I read that and it helps me to understand, Oh, there's different reasons why people have imposter syndrome or it shows up different ways. And so it helps me as I do my talks or as I coach folks to understand where they're coming from, because I too, have suffered from that. So that's one. There's a, 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 I talk about pie in the book. Um, and it's called perform uh, performance image and exposure. And Harvey Coleman wrote a beautiful book called empower yourself. Um, organization the organization game revealed because it is a game and if you're going to be in corporate america here's the game and here's how it's played so that's one harvey coleman and then um 12 universal laws of success has been with me for a while it's by dr harris and you know the laws of persistence the laws of relationship the law of supply there's all there's 12 important laws that when you understand these then you understand how the world or how the universe should and and or does work for fun, Jack Reacher. Uh, I'm a Jack Reacher fan. I think I've read every book and and I, you know, the next one that's coming out, I probably already pre-ordered it. Uh, John Sanford, the you know, birds of prey, the whole prey series. I love that. I just read Hillary Clinton's um, State of Terror, which was fascinating. So you could imagine, you know, who the Secretary of State is, and you can imagine who the president is um, in, in her book. And so it's quite quite enjoyable to, to read. And then I box. I'm an amateur boxer. Um, and, um, uh, and I used to do some scuba diving, but I haven't done it in a while. And I just started learning how to fly a plane.